are you today? Welcome to Coffee with Casey. We take a few minutes, take a look at the market, see where it's going. Um, we do this show every Thursday uh, because markets change and they change fairly quickly. So we want to make sure that we see what's coming and see what's coming. So, um, you know, it's funny, Julie, um, Julie put up a Facebook post about our March settlements and a lot of settlements, you know, and I, I was looking at every one of them and, and, uh, and realizing that the decisions that were made on buyers and sellers were made months ago, right? So December and January where all the action was happening, these are the results that's happened, you know, it's, uh, she's putting up on Facebook now, but the press will announce sales figures in you know 20 30 days takes them that while to get through the system so my problem has always been with understanding the market is if you read the reported statistics they were on sales that happened 30 days ago contracts that were written 45 days ago decisions that were made 30 days before that so i mean basically you have 30 30 45 i mean it's three months have gone by or four months in most cases have gone by since you see the culmination of the buyer pool, the excitement in the predictive analysis, the launch of the listing, it goes under contract, it takes 45 days. So all of this is happening way back. So, so what we're going to look at is where is the market headed? And it is changing. It is definitely changing. Okay. Um, and what changes do we need to make? in order to be ready for this. So markets do go like this. And again, if you are reading data that's three months, four months old, we need to get back to the beginning and we need to see where the market is headed, not where it's been, okay? All right, so let's take, let's take a quick wander over to our, um, our PowerPoint today. And, and let's take a look at some of this stuff. Now, so the market is definitely changing. It is slowing down. The buyer pools are getting smaller, okay? That's what I'm talking about. Julie is reporting, these are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine houses sold, right? Well, next month there's gonna be 15 houses sold, but those were on decisions that were also made a while ago, right? So what we need to do is get out in front of the market, all right? So let's, let's start here. So let's take a look at the inventory numbers because remember, um, Invent, uh, the market is driven by interest rates and inventory, okay? So we have, interest rates have gone up a point, so maybe a point and a half in the last two, three weeks. That has had a significant effect. Our buyer pools are dwindling. They're going down dramatically. So, and I'll show you that here in a second. And that is a, that is a leading indicator. The leading indicator is what's in the buyer pool. All right, so let's take a look at this. This is March inventory. And this is a five-year average. So this is Vienna's current March inventory compared to a five-year average for March. So March 2017, March 2021. And then let's look at 2022 and see how that compares to their five-month average. So we're still down 20% for March in Vienna than our five-year average. Fairfax County is down 9%. Uh, Arlington County just barely down, maybe 2 or 3%. Um, again, Prince William County's inventory for March is down nine, Loudoun probably about seven, and the average is maybe about nine percent. So you can see that Vienna is where the inventory is really lagging, 
even though everybody's falling behind, okay? Not, that's not good. We need to get inventory in here. So let's take a look and I tried to, I always have to put this in red when we're in the negative, but I tried to differentiate. Here's your March is the big red, okay? That's March of 2022. This is year to date from January 1 through today. What are we down for the year? Okay, we're down 30% in Vienna for the year, 16% in Fairfax County, 10% in Arlington, 50, so you're 15, 18, 15, 16% in most counties, Vienna's down 30%. So why are prices rising a little faster in Vienna? Very simple, there's just no inventory. So, so this is an indicator where, you know, we're looking at the dynamics of what drives the market. Now we know interest rates have gone up, but inventory is not. It's getting better, but it's not up. It's still down. So, you know, our eyes are on the inventory. Things coming on the market, getting ready to go. I mean, we looked at our inventory, getting ready to come on the market. We're at about 20 to $25 million worth of houses getting ready to go, go on to the market. And with each one of those, every week we put them on, we need to do a predictive analysis just to read the market at that time, read the buyer pool. I'm gonna show you what I'm talking about here in a second, okay? But this basically is telling us where our, our inventory is. Now, you know that I always say, are we in a seller's market or a buyer's market? If more than 60% of the homes are under contract, then we know we're in a seller's market, right? There's 10 houses on the market and eight of them are under contract. We only have two available houses. That's an 80%, right? 80% inventory is under contract. So that anything over 60% means we're in a seller's market. So here you go. McLean is just barely in the seller's market. Arlington deep into it. Vienna still deep into it. Really lack of inventory here. Uh, Oakton's at 65 and so forth. Now, I'm going to tell you that I'm looking at a luxury home market. And in Vienna, Oakton, uh, McLean, that may be over a million dollars. In Centerville, it may be over... $800,000 uh, for Centerville, Percyville, and things like that. So, so if you look at the luxury home market in Percyville, it's, it's actually 50-50 right now. So, so that's probably the best um, place you can go and get a, a, a reasonable home without competing too much. Um, so clearly still in the seller's market with interest rates have gone up that much. Why is that? Well, first of all, these decisions to put these contracts in were made 30 days ago. So, so this is all the past, right? All right, so let's take a look at how do we know what's the absolute 100% leading indicator for where we are today, right? Okay, this is called a predictive analysis, all right? So when I go in and we're getting ready to launch listings, this is a coming soon listing these are active and these are, now this is from the summer. So all of our homes right now are under contract. We don't have anything not under contract. I think there's 15 of them. So, so I'm looking at the coming soon <coughs> and we're putting a number on the house and I'm saying, okay, this buyer pool is, should be at about two to 300. It's 87, this favorite. So let me explain to you what this says. 259 people have stored searches. Only 87 times did, it, did a buyer open it up and look at it. That's your buyer pool. 
three times people said, hey, I really like this house. This is my favorite. Let's keep an eye on this. He's talk, they're talking to their agents, okay? And then some of them say, well, it's possible. That's possible. Let's go take a look at it. So by looking at these numbers and looking at these numbers, I can tell how big is the buyer pool for that house and how many people are favoring that house, right? So first of all, let's just take a look at the numbers of where we, where we have been. This is summer kind of light. Now look at, look at what happened in February. Look at the buyer pools in February, right? 500, 800, 600, 645, 1,000, 1,000. Look at the favorites of people favoring these houses. So when I'm looking at that, I'm saying, holy cow, th this, is, this is an incredible buyer pool. We are going to get murdered with 30 contracts or 20 contracts. So all of these houses, as we're putting them on the market, are testing and saying, go. You got to go. Everybody's got to go. Go, 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 go. Even this one right here, small buyer pool, seven favorites. Although we know that Moore Avenue, one of the data points is that Moore Avenue had an eight-car garage. Moore Avenue was, or Moore uh, Avenue was a California arts and crafts, okay? Very popular with people coming in from the West Coast. The eight-car garage or the eight-car units could fit into the garage because they had lifts and things like that. And we knew that our market was car collectors, right? So we need somebody that loves cars, coming in from the West Coast, target market them, and we knew we had them. So forget this. what this is telling me is people that were saying, let me have a house of this size, this thing in Vienna, um, only 135, very small market, only seven really loved it. That's small, right? But we knew that this one, we were marketing outside of the area for this for this client. And you know, 85% of the buyers, 85% of the buyers now, get your arms around this, come from the Arlington Corridor or out of state. 85% of the Vienna buyers and Oakton buyers are coming from outside and are not looking currently in Vienna, right? So when we do outbound social media marketing. We're trying to get people looking, you know, car collectors that are looking for expensive homes in McLean and Arlington. Show them this house. Show them this house on their Facebook. Show them this house on their Instagram. Show them this house in their Wall Street Journal feed. So we knew we had the phone calls. So I totally blew off these numbers because I knew I had a unique situation, different data point. Now, what does it look like today? And I can't show you that, right? Because... Um, because we have, this is sensitive information. These houses were coming on the market at that time. So I can't show you what's coming on this weekend, right? But I can tell you that in general, the buyer pools are a third of what they were at this point, a third of, they're back down to hundreds and two hundreds. They're back down to sevens, eights, nines, and tens. Um, so what does that tell me? That tells me the buyer pool is being affected. The buyer pool is shrinking, right? Um, Maybe it's because interest rates are rising, right? But again, I think you got to remember there's two types of buyers out there. There's have-tos and there's want-tos. The have-tos are still there. They have to have a house. Their current house is too small. They just moved into the area. They have a job. They're living in, in uh, you know, executive housing. 
Um, they've got to get a house. They just have no choice. Those are the have tos. The want tos are the, you know, I'd like to get a bigger house. I just, I just would like to get a bigger house. I want to get a bigger house. Okay. That's, that's your want tos. So the want tos try a little bit, fail and walk away. The have tos, they're still swinging. They are not going anywhere. The, so we are down to the rock solid have tos, right? Are they still bidding a hundred thousand over list price? Absolutely. Are they still having to buy? Yes. And as long as the inventory maintains that way, right? As long as it stays, then you're going to have those, what we call unicorns that are willing to pay that premium dollar over list price. So here's how I can say with confidence that the favorites, which are blue and the greens are the contracts. So you can clearly see if I have a number of favorites up here, I'm gonna get these contracts. And if I have favorites down here, I'm gonna get no contracts. So at this time, right? So let's talk about the market. You need to be current on the weekly updates of the market. That's why I spend my time to do this show. You need to be current. My sellers do, my agents do. Everybody needs to be cognizant because we're dealing with contracts, right? We're dealing with a lot of contracts and mentals and, and fear and greed drive the market. You gotta remember that fear and greed will always drive the market. So you have to figure, am I feeding to the greed or am I feeding to the fear? So when you're negotiating contracts, there's a lot of money on the line. So let me show you how we use the earliest indicators to make people money, all right? So we launched 94 houses last year. We had um, 13 that did not test well, 13 where I went to the seller and I said, hey, um, we do not have a buyer pool. I mean, the buyer pool is very small. We don't have many favorites. We're not getting any, uh, love from social media, I see a problem. So we do this during coming soon. We do all of our marketing during the coming soon period. Now here's how much money this makes and saves sellers, right? So let's take Parapet Way here. I go to Parapet Way and we're coming soon at 1.55 million. We're not showing well. We go to 1.5 million. So we drop it back to 1.5 million. We lower the list price when we launch it. Why? Because I can see we're not getting contracts at 1.55. So 1.5, that did the trick. That got a much bigger buyer pool, tripled the buyer pool, got a lot of favorites, and the contracts came in at 1.65 million. <coughs> they dropped the list price from the predictive analysis. They dropped the list price $50,000 and yet made 150,000 over list price no home inspection, no appraisal. So when somebody says, do your magic, that's the magic. Here's the magic right here. The predictive analysis determines list price. The list price will determine how many contracts we're gonna get. And we know whether we're getting contracts before we launch the listing. I mean, is that unique? Well, I can tell you the two people I compete with the most, one of them's average days on market is 113 days on market. The other one's 94 days on market and ours is five. So why, why is that? And our sales price is 131% of assessment and theirs is 120. So that's 11% higher. So quicker sales period 
generates all the multiple contracts. And that's why you've got a 10 point spread over somebody that likes to overprice house and put them on the market for a long time. So, so when you look at this analysis, Heinz, we went from 1.4, it was at 1.45, I said, you gotta drop it. And of course the seller's disappointed. Oh, you know, that means we're gonna get less money. No, it doesn't. That means we're gonna get a bigger buyer pool. So we go to 1.4, we get 1.525. That is 100,000 over what the house is worth. It's clearly $100,000 over what it's worth. So the average of all of these, well, let me give you another perfect example. Down here are the three that did not listen. Let's take Tallahai and Tallahai. Here's a perfect example. These are next door neighbors, okay? I went to the person and said, look, we're out at 1.4. It's not testing well. We got to drop it to 135. We did. We got, um, where did I just go? We got 1.55 million. We went up $200,000, right? So we made $200,000. We went to 155. The neighbor was bigger. The neighbor, we said, you're not testing well. You got to drop your price. Okay, we need to drop the list price. You need to go from 1.4 to 1.45 to 1.4. They said no. They got 1.385, right? So they got 1.385, the other neighbor got 1.55. This neighbor is smaller than this neighbor. This neighbor is appraised for less than that neighbor. So if ever there was a case of a predictive analysis getting out in front of the market, reading the market, I mean, that is on day one. On day one, we know, do we have the right buyer pool or not? So when we talk about, um, and I know this is a lot of numbers and that's okay, but this is a big, this is a lot of money, right? So our average house is 1.5 million, let's say, and our competitor is 1.5 million. <clears throat> They're at 120, I'm at 131. 11% on 1.5 million is $150,000, $160,000. That's $160,000 swing. So is this stuff important? You bet your ass it is. I mean, if you're selling it is. So, you know, so this is why I'm really about knowing the market before it happens. So what do we change when markets shift, right? Do we change anything? Minor tweaks. And I, let me tell you, let me tell you one minor tweak and let me get rid of this. I think I'm done. I'm done. So there's one minor twist that you would make uh, for you agents out there. And it's in showing time, right? So we've gone from 40 showings to 10. Okay. Do we want the buyers to know that? No, we don't want the buyers to know that. And no buyers are listening to my show. Trust me. These are all sellers I send notices out to and real estate agents I send notices out to. There's no buyers watching this show. Trust me. So I can talk freely, right? So what's the change that we would make? Well, in showing time, right? If let's say you're going to get 30 or 40 showings and there's, an ex there's, you know, you say, okay, we only want one showing at a time. So when somebody books a showing, it will black out that space. So an agent will come on and go, holy cow, they've got 30 showings in two days. Wow. We got to just take what we can get and bid like hell, right? Well, what happens if I only have five showings? Now, when we're buyers, when my agents are buyers, the first thing we do is go to showing time. And all those agents say, no, we want people to have exclusive time to see the house, right? 
So we'll go in and we're getting ready to prepare a contract. We'll look and see how many people looked at that house over the weekend. Two, two. That is a hundred thousand dollars swing in our offer price. Hundred thousand. Because they're tipping us off, right? You can't tip your hand. So how do we do it? How how do you, how should our agents at Samson Properties do this? How do we do it? We do not give exclusive time. They can overlap. If you can overlap and come in whenever you want, come and go. Then you click on it, you can't see anything. There are no blockouts, right? You see nothing, right? They know we got multiple showings because you can't block out any time. So they don't know that, they, they don't know how many showings there are. So if there's 40 showings, it is to my advantage to show them that. If I have five or 10 showings, it is not to my advantage to show them that. So we don't. So when we hook up our showing time where people say, hey, I wanna go see this house, um, in a time when we're gonna have 30, we will have exclusive showing time. And that will show blockouts all over the place and they'll just have to work their way in and, and get in there. But when we do not, we absolutely do not show them how many blockout times we have. I mean, we have contracts that come in, one. One contract comes in, 150,000 over those price, one. One contract. Now, if they knew nobody else was looking at that house, do you think they would come out 100,000, 150,000 over less price? Can't tip them off. <clears throat> you can't tip them off. Does the pricing strategy change? Now, I may be a little firmer with the seller because I say, hey, you know, we really should be out there at 1.3. Do you want to test 1.35? Fine. We'll adjust if we have to. But now I'll probably say, we need to be a little more conservative. Let's just stay at 1.3. I'm just going to highly recommend 1.3. And they're going to say 1.35, and I'm going to try and talk them out of it, okay? They don't want to, they don't want to. I have three people, and then I'll show them that sheet. Well, the people that did change did this. People that didn't change got that. So let's get up here, not down here. Let's make 137000 not lose 25000 $30,000. So, so basically, the only strategy... What we do in our pricing strategy is find out what the house is worth. Current comps, current look, you know, area, current size. What's the house worth? Put it on for what the house is worth. Then let everybody else bid up the market, the upgrades, everything else. Just let them bid it up. That will not change. Because what's happening, what is going to happen, and watch this. Every, the market's going like this. People are going to start pricing up here. The market flattens. This is exactly what happened in 215. And then you'll start seeing how homes that 4% um, of the homes will withdraw. And then when they do this, as soon as the market corrects and changes a little bit, then you'll start to see 40, 50% of the homes withdraw and sold. And the tip off to the buyers is they're going to see homes come on the market and nothing's going to happen. They're just going to sit there. Once they sit there, buyers are going, something's wrong with that house. We're out of here. We cannot miss the perfect buyers. We cannot miss that initial buyer pool. So our strategy for pricing will stay the same. Our pricing for showing time will change. Um, so the strategy, you know, some strategies, yes, but not a lot. And I mean, the marketing strategy, no, we're still going for out-of-town buyers. We're still going for, you know, the locals. We're still make sure the pictures are, are um, spectacular. 
Let me just talk about one thing, right? And I hope I can put my hands on this email. I think I left it open. I hope I did. But this is to a seller that had a million dollar house, a million five house, and one of the local realtor that worked in, let's say, Arlington, as opposed to an agent that works in million dollar houses, right? Exclusively. Let me see if I can get you, let me see if I can get you back online. Let me see if I can find this real quick. All right. I closed it. Gosh darn it. Sorry guys. That doesn't work. But I will tell you that I showed them some pictures of the agent, of what their pictures look like. They're horrible. They are horrible. Now, if 85% of your buyer pool is from out of state or out of town, in other words, and I consider out of town being a Vienna house with an Arlington uh, buyer pool, <coughs> Alexandria, DC, you know, trying to pull them at McLean. The pictures are so critical, right? That if you're dealing with an agent that deals with a lot of five or six or seven or $800,000 homes, They'll use flash photography. It's terrible. The pictures are awful. You have to use this special type. I'm going back on. Gosh darn it. I got to show you the pictures. I'm going to whip on this real quick, guys. I want to show you what pictures have to look like. Oh, geez. What pictures have to look like if you want to sell a million dollar home. This, these pictures are spectacular of this house, but I want to get to uh, a specific picture group. So one of the key features of this home is this kitchen and the pool area and the back windows in the back. See how clear these pictures are? Now I want to get to the ones that, that really knock people out. All right, you see that? That will bring people in from Arlington. That will bring people in from out of state. This will bring California buyers in. This will bring them all in. You can see the architectural features of the house. You can see the windows. I mean, the houses I was looking at yesterday that I made this comment on to the eight, to the seller, it was just horrible. I mean, this is spectacular. So your pictures, when you're dealing with million dollar homes, need to be spectacular. Your marketing, nothing's going to change. Same as always. Now you got to understand, we get reports and we can see how many people are looking at it from Facebook and Instagram. The average person in Instagram is 30 to 40. The average person in Facebook is 50 to 70, right? So the older people are looking at Facebook, the younger people are looking at Instagram. So where do you think Julie's pointing houses? depending on our buyer pool. If I'm looking for 50-somethings, maybe it's a little more Facebook. If I'm looking for 30-somethings or 40-somethings, maybe it's a lot more Instagram, right? So when you look at it, it's knowing your buyer pool, knowing how to market it, getting the right pictures, and understanding that there's a huge difference, huge difference in selling it, a $600,000 to $800,000 house to a $1.5 million home. It's a huge difference. So when you're dealing with agents, you need to say, if I'm selling a $1.5 million house, I need to know, show me your inventory of homes that you sold 
And what is the, the things I'm looking for is days on market should be under seven, average. If they go over seven, you got a home inspection, you got a real problem. Your percentage of uh, assessment should be at least five to seven points more than the average should be if you're, if you're really any good at all. And what is the premium? What is the amount that your houses are selling for over your list price? So amount over list price, how many days does it take you to get it? And what's the percentage of assessment? Then compare those numbers. Now, once you get with your realtor and you've selected your realtor, you have to trust them, right? So a lot of our realtors have already, you know, seen all our stuff and trust us before we walk in the door. So we don't have a trust issue, but every once in a while you do. And you'll know there's a trust issue when a seller is telling you what to do, do this and do this and don't do this and do this and don't do this. That means they don't trust you that you know what to do. They're going to take control. And at that point, it's just a bad fit. And for the realtors, I tell them the best, the best listing you'll ever take is um, the best listing you'll ever take is the one you don't take, right? So if they don't trust you, then you can't go forward. You just have to close your, you know, computer and you got to go, go, you know, try to help the next seller because if they don't trust you, we have contract issues. We have marketing issues. We have pricing issues. We have preparing the house issues. I mean, if somebody thinks that a, a house that looks a little bit more like 1990s is appropriate, then, um, and, and scoff at any thought of doing anything to kind of update or spruce it up a little bit. Well, that's just not right. It just, the numbers just don't prove that to be correct. So, so, you know, had a little circumstance like that this week where it's like, you know, everything you say is a problem and, and, and then you just have to just walk away. You just can't, you can't, because I have so many great sellers and, you know, you agents have so many great sellers. And again, I'm talking to the Samson property agents now that, I know, you know, you may have limited opportunities to list, but your seller, you need to prove to them that you are a great agent and you know what you're doing and you have a proper strategy and your marketing plan works and your pricing strategy works and you have a track record. And then if they're asking questions, we have, we have trust and we're ready to go forward. If they're telling you things, there is no trust. And it will continue to spiral downhill. And again, I, I mean, I can go back to that one chart where 10 people said, yeah, we trust you, go ahead and do it. And they made 137,000. And three people did not trust you and aren't going to do it. And they all lost money. I mean, literally a next door neighbor sold for 1.38, doing it their 1.385, doing it their way. And their neighbor made 155, doing it our way. And the neighbor that got 155, more money, was a smaller house with a lower assessment. So again, you know, I tell my agents all the time, we only have so much time, energy and money. So um, let's spend our energy on, on sellers that trust us. And again, I'm talking with Samson agents, spend your time on, on sellers that trust you and you can move forward with them. And then there will be success. If not, it's gonna be a long road and, and, and it's gonna be a tough road. All right, so my name is Casey Sampson, hopefully that is shed some light on today's market. That is shed some light on where you find out the earliest information, absolute 100% earliest information on how a market is, when a market is starting to move, okay? Hopefully this helps. My name is Casey Sampson. I'm at 703.
508-2535, or you can send me an email at casey at caseysampson.com. We'll see you again next week. Bye now.